Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. This is episode 60. I am your host, as always, Peter Howarth, joined as usual by Duncan Adele. Duncan, it's it's been a, a two weeks since her last episode, and uh, it's been pretty crazy in the NBA. Yeah, it's been wild. We had one of those nights that we'll talk about in a bit where it seems like scoring is contagious. One player catches fire, and all of a sudden, everybody's dropping a bunch of points. We had something like that. Was that last season when Booker put up 70? Uh, we'll get more into that. But, you know, the NBA around trade deadline season is always a little magical. It's the guys trying to up their trade stock. Maybe guys who don't want to get traded trying to down their trade stock and the all-star game coming up. It's an exciting time to be an NBA fan. It's especially interesting right now because it does seem like there's a lot more trades um and obviously the discussion will always be there before the all-star game but sometimes it takes you know right up to the deadline for the big trades to be made but we've had you know three pretty sizable trades we talked about og and anubi last time and we have two trades that we'll talk about now um in the interest of time because we have so much to talk about today all-star and then these topics uh we're, we're going to try to keep it brief uh in this roulette roundup is what i'm calling it uh, Duncan and I will each have a minute to talk about these uh, selected subjects. Uh, we randomize the order. So first up will be a, a topic near and dear to you, Duncan. Uh, Terry Rozier traded from the Charlotte Hornets to the Miami Heat in exchange for Big Booty, Kyle Lowry, and a first-round pick. The Terry Rozier era is over in Charlotte. Yeah, I'm I'm beat up and torn up about it, but it's a step in the right direction because we're kidding ourselves if we're going to keep saying that the roster that they have is somehow going to make it out of the play-in. The play-in is the ceiling. It has been the ceiling. Terry Rozier was part of the solution, not necessarily part of the problem, but I don't think he's part of the overall solution. And you know, they get an expiring contract that they can then trade to other other teams to take on some of their bad contracts and more draft capital. And Kyle Lowry, maybe in, if they don't get to trade him right away, you know, you have a veteran guard on a team that needs vets. So I don't hate it. The first round pick being kind of far in the future and the unprotected protected it's a lottery protected in 2027 and if that doesn't hit then it's an unprotected 2028 first round pick which could be pretty good i don't know if that exactly lines up with lamello and his timeline but you know it's more draft capital it's good i'm excited for terry because he's a heat fan he's a Dwayne wade fan one of his tweets got retweeted in 2013 uh saying that he would give Dwayne wade his arm uh, when he got injured. So, you know, I think it's good for him to go to the Heat, and he embraces that Heat culture. He's had a bit of a rocky start, uh, not great kind of bad shooting nights, but it's also it's the Heat culture. It's I think it's just going to take a couple of games to get in the swing of things, go to a couple practices, get back to being used to playing organized basketball. Not that the Hornets are unorganized, but they're definitely not organized basketball. And I think he'll be a really bright piece on that team, especially – he can play the one guard, the two guard, is decent at defense, can shoot. His playmaking is underrated. In the games without LaMelo, he had a couple games a season where he had 10-plus assists. Man can do it all. I think he's a good fit on the Heat, and I'm excited to watch him break the Celtics fans' hearts with a revenge dagger in the playoffs. I am not excited for that last, <laughs> last comment you made. Uh, I do think it's good for him to get out of Charlotte because I think there's a fair chance he develops some really bad habits or at least some some habits that I don't think he'll that that'll work in Miami and I don't think he'll have the opportunity to. Uh this is something that we were kind of talking about about a different player before the show, but if you look at 
uh, NBA players in terms of touches per game. So the amount of times a player gets the ball um, and touches it, whether they shoot it, pass it, turn it over, whatever it be. Uh, Nikola Jokic gets has the most touches in the league, right? 99.3, so almost 100 times per game he touches the ball. Seventh in the league is Terry Rozier. He touched the ball a ton in Charlotte, and that is not going to be the case in Miami. The offense should be flowing through Jimmy Butler, who's not a point guard, but he's still the guy you want to run everything through. Um, so that will be a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, I just have uh, one more thing I want to add, though. So they're going to clear some future salary off the books, the Hornets, by trading Rozier. He was owed essentially $25 million per year over the next two years. But for what? The the Hornets, they have they have been willing to spend money in free agency in the past, but this is who they've got. They've gotten Gordon Hayward, who they're also trying to move now. They've got Nicholas Batum in the past when they overpaid for him. They got Rozier, who you know, ultimately didn't really lead to winning. I, I just like, what's the path going forward? I think like, are they going to be able to go out and sign a big guy or do they need to do an Indiana Pacers and try to trade for a, you know, Pascal Siakam type player and try to extend them? Here's my thought, right? New owners, they're trying to attract a GM. <laughs> they have two young players in LaMelo and Brandon Miller that they can build around for the future, maybe Mark Williams. Other than that, I don't think that any of the other ones are untouchable. I think they can all be traded at any given moment. They have a lot of draft capital coming up, a lot of cap space, and the opportunity to have a new head coach and a new GM that would love to have young, talented prospects and cap room. So maybe that's the goal. It's kind of, you know, Mitch Kupchak, uh, the the GM, I don't think he's doing it to get his replacement, but maybe that was a goal of the owners to be like, Hey, let's look a little skinny. Let's look like, let's be flexible in the future. I think that's the goal is just flexibility because you know, that they have to move somewhere and you're right. Overpaying for players isn't going to be the, (laughs) the right move, but I, I, I feel like small market teams have had success or teams like the Spurs of the past. You have to get lucky in the draft, you know, having, players that are okay that you're paying a lot of money is not worth it they have to find another way and at least now they're trying something different after five or so years of doing the same exact thing yeah i mean say what you want about some of the developmental stuff and the amazing things the spurs have done it's why they were a dynasty but they also got david robinson and they got tim duncan like like generational uh foundational centerpieces they were able to play together briefly um, Celtics actually had higher odds for Tim Duncan. They did not win that lottery. Um, you know, I'm sure you can relate, Duncan, <laughs> as, as a Hornets fan. Uh, moving on quickly, our second order of business, Adrian Griffin has been fired uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, not he didn't even make it to the All-Star break in his first head coaching gig uh, after he'd been in this longtime assistant around the league for years. And he was pretty quickly uh, jettisoned and replaced by Doc Rivers, who last coached the Philadelphia 76ers last season. Before that, he was the coach of the Clippers. Before that, he won a championship with the Celtics. Of course, he was a longtime player. Um, well, initial reactions to that, Duncan? I think there's kind of the two ways of thinking with Doc Rivers. The, the man has had Hall of Famers and hasn't won since 2008. And also, the he's been in a toxic situation every step of the way. With uh, in LA with Lob City, 
none of the guys wanted to play there anymore. There's all sorts of drama all the time. In Philly, with the draft busts, which aren't necessarily his fault. That might be more GM. Maybe he's to blame a bit. Who knows? And the whole Ben Simmons thing and the James Harden thing, not necessarily in his control. So this seems like a pretty good situation, although there is some drama as well. I don't know if he's the fix to it. I didn't think Adrian Griffin was doing that bad. But Doc Rivers is still a good coach, um, especially with a team that kind of has that championship DNA since they've won so recently. I don't hate it. It's just kind of silly that the Bucks are now paying three head coaching salaries for the next couple of years because they owe um, Coach Bud a salary as well. And I'm just kind of thinking they should have just swallowed their pride and hired Coach Bud back. What, what was wrong with that? I, I don't think they ever would have done that. I think that would have been pretty crazy. I think bygones become bygones at that point. Um, probably Bud doesn't want to come back at that rate. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think Griffin, Adrian Griffin was doing a terrible job, but there were, you know, there's been writings on the wall for a, a long time now. Uh, there was a national, I, can't, I, I don't have to date, Chris Mannix just talked about this, formerly of Sports Illustrated, because that doesn't really exist anymore, uh, Sports Illustrated, um, but he referenced this, and I, I'm referencing him because it jogged my memory. The Bucks played in in Boston earlier this season in a national televised game. It was not going well for the Bucks, nor has it gone well for most teams playing Boston this season. But anyways, Adrian Griffin, he checks Giannis out of the game. I think it was the third quarter. Essentially, the Bucks were it, they were on their last breath. So of course, Giannis wants to stay in the game to see if he can try to salvage the game. If not, you know, check him out. Let's just write write the game off. Giannis comes out of the game, but he stays at the scorer's table and he checks himself back in the game. It's it was super strange. Um, not to mention all the reports that have come out um, about you know if you know he hasn't had the locker room and that the players came to him to change their defensive schemes after he tried to implement what he had in Toronto. It was not going to work. I um, I'm of the thinking that. I don't know how much like Doc Rivers is going to do to change the scheme or to change the rotation. I think he's almost there as a sign of respect and maybe Giannis and Lillard just respect Doc Rivers' voice more. And so they might just buy in more to what he's saying than the voice of Adrian Griffin. I don't know how much he'll change, but if the attitude and the buy-in changes, you know, that's all that really matters because they have a lot of wins um, their offense is great. It's just the defense isn't there. And I think we all ultimately think if the defense isn't there, it's not going to get them that far. Yeah. And it's confusing too, because they have great, still have Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So the defensive numbers should not have been as low as they were. Um, but it's also, is Giannis starting to be a little like Le GM, like Giannis GM to Takumpo? Like, I don't know what that nickname's going to be, but with the whole Dame trade, you know, getting someone in and then apparently he was the one who wanted coach bud out right and he had the stamp of approval on coach griffin and he invited adrian griffin to his wedding and said all these things about how great of a guy he is even after the firing he's like oh i don't just like the guy blah 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 it's just giving me a little inconsistency you know of uh it's everybody else's fault and not mine which i guess you get a little bit when you have back-to-back mvps and a finals mvp like i understand that but it's it's you don't win by being like the Carolina Panthers. If you if in any way you resemble the Carolina Panthers with the amount of coaches you've had in one span, then you're doing something wrong. So 
I'm interested to see how this pans out for them or if they're just going to, if, if Doc doesn't go well, what, do they pay four coaching salaries? And also, didn't Doc sign like a six-year contract or something? Or... It's like a five-year deal, something yeah, like what? that. Uh, uh, to, to your earlier point, I think Giannis is very aware of his leverage and, and what he can do as a player. And the Bucks, as a you know smaller market team, having one of the best 75 players in league history and maybe the best player in the world, you know, they, they kind of have to bend the knee. Um, and I don't necessarily blame them when you have Giannis, you have to do that. You know, the first time his contract was coming nearly up, you know, they scramble, they get Drew Holiday, it works out. This last time, the rumors start to start to trickle around, even if, you know, whether they're true or not, they go out and they swap out Holiday for Damian Lillard. He is super aware of what he can do as a player. You know, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, well, they've won one championship and it worked last time. He 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 made them bend the knee. Let's see if it works this time. Um, you know, maybe they made a bad hire. Um, it's also probably not fair to Adrian Griffin, um, by the way, who has, has two uh, professional basketball playing kids. Uh, he has uh, Aubrey Griffin uh, playing a uh, player for the UConn women's basketball team and AJ Griffin, uh, he's a wing for the Hawks. Shout out to them, by the way. Yeah, and the other thing too. Oh, sorry, I, I lost connection a bit. Uh, the other thing too is, you know, the whole thing with the Celtics and the Bucks. There, the Celtics then came to Milwaukee and got beat so bad that they benched their starters at halftime. So it's not like just results driven too. I, I think they were a little impatient with this. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to to the next one. What you got for us? Yeah, well, we mentioned him earlier, so let's fully flesh, flesh it out. Uh, Pascal Siakam, he was traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers for Bruce Brown, um, uh, a, a litany of picks. I don't, I don't have the full details. Uh, it was essentially picks-based. Uh, three picks, yeah, was I it think around so. there? Yeah, three firsts and then salary. I forget who the salary throw-in was. but Yeah, so for, uh, the way I see it, um, the Pacers, you know, historically— a, a, they don't really make huge trade swings like this, um, but they also don't really make huge splashes in free agency. Their whole thing is sort of drafting and developing and staying homegrown and always being around the 40 win mark or higher, trying to always stay relevant. Um, but I think this swing makes sense because um, sort of like I was referencing with the Hornets, I think cap space can be kind of overrated. Um if, if you don't do anything with it. And I think for a team like the Pacers, there's a fair chance they wouldn't do anything with it. Um, and, and so if they bring in Siakam and, and they think if they get him in the door and get him playing with another all-star talent and Tyrese Halliburton, that they can convince him to stay, they'll, they'll give him the requisite money, that it may work. I don't know if it's like a year too early to make this, you know, maybe if they wanted to wait it out. But from a logistical standpoint, it makes sense. Siakam's a free agent after this year. So if it's not him, who is it going to be? And then they signed Bruce Brown. Remember when, when they gave him this contract, he, he's on like a one-year $23 million contract. We were all like, well, that's that's a lot of money, but it's a one-year deal. Essentially, the Pacers could overpay for him. And it worked out in terms of the salary matching in this deal. Um, I like the fit with, with Siakam and Halliburton. He gives Halliburton another toy. Um, for Toronto, you know, three picks. They might be able to move Bruce Brown into something. 
I'm okay with it. I'm okay with blowing this whole Toronto thing up because, you know, Scotty Barnes has been great. We've talked about him before. Uh, enough for me, Duncan. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good trade. I think only time will tell to see if it was worth it, see who the Raptors get with those three first-round picks. Um, but, you know, they, they're able to kind of also give some room for Scotty Barnes to grow as well. Not that Pascal was impeding him, but I think this will clear the lane a little bit. And Scotty, it'll be about him now in Toronto. And it's a, it's a good direction to go, especially having Bruce, ba- Bruce Brown, who's a stand-up guy and great player, got that championship experience. You know, that's someone that you can trust in the playoffs to have like on the court. And they've just got a bunch of guys. So I, I don't dislike it. I think for Indiana, it's a really cool lineup where the only player that can't space the floor is what TJ McConnell, <laughs> like, and maybe like Jalen Smith, but even Jalen Smith, I feel like shoots a little bit. Um, but they, they can do whatever they want on offense, move people, put them wherever they want. You can't, uh, it kind of opens up the driving lane as well. Helps Tyrese get to the rim, helps Matherin get to the rim. Everybody can get to the rim. And I think it's, I think Pascal, once he gets more comfortable and fits into that team pretty well, he's, I think he's going to be a good fit there in Indiana. We saw in the in-season tournament finals how the, the Lakers said we're just going to trap Halliburton around half court and make someone else beat us. And guess what? No one else beat them. Uh, so it, it does give him a very competent running mate, which I think is really good in this case. Uh, and our last word of business, uh, Joel Embiid scored 70 points the other night. Pretty crazy on ridiculous efficiency. He had like 23 free throws. Um, and then on the same night, uh, just to juxtapose it, Carl Anthony Towns, he tied his career high of 62 points, um, but they ultimately lost the game uh, to the Hornets, who had a 15-point comeback. Uh, Chris Finch, Timberwolves head coach, uh, was extremely critical and thought the team was really selfish and was not really in their offense. Um, first up, Embiid, um, is is he your MVP front runner? Um, you know, I think we're at the point where we could talk about this. Um where are you at on him? He's up there. He's up there because I, I watched that game against the Spurs and it was just natural. It was a natural 70 points, which is weird to say because he did not. And he said afterwards in the postgame press conference, like I was, he was telling his teammates, like, you know, don't force feed me the ball. We need to win. And they only won by 10 against the Spurs. It was a really close game. The Spurs were playing very well. It just it just worked out versus Cat. You know, Ant after the game said something about, yeah, you know, we were trying to get him to beat the record. Ant put up garbage numbers and they lost. Yeah. He got 62 points, but who cares? You lost against a horrible team. And uh, so I think Embiid is up there. Yeah. He, he's, he's just so good I, as much as I don't want him to win just cause he he's plays for Philly and he's not always the most likable guy. Like you can't deny that he, he, he is that guy. I think I've kind of come around on Joel Embiid, um, you know, natural hate the, with the Philly thing. And, you know, he's kind of allowed, boisterous guy but he is very committed to winning other than like on twitter he doesn't really make any crazy statements he's he's actually you know pretty pretty team oriented um you know he's a great story he's only been playing basketball for like you know 10 years or something um yeah i i I think he's the leader in the clubhouse you know Jokic is right there shay is is somewhere in there uh so is luca so is um you know, Jason Tatum, um, so is, there's, oh, there's always one person, Giannis, right, Giannis, yeah. of course. Um, it, it would be, it'd be cool, because that would be, we'd be at three straight 
back to back MVPs. You know, Giannis went back to back, Jokic went back to back, and if Bead wanted to be back to back again, um, that'd be really cool. But you know, yeah. there's still a lot. There's still a lot of, of season left, of course. I think there there might be a little asterisk there too if Embiid kind of fizzles out in the playoffs again, you know. And granted, Giannis had back to back and then won, right? Or was it on his second MVP that he won the championship? Or was Jokic it... or Giannis? Giannis. Uh, Giannis, it, yeah, I believe so. And then Jokic won back to back, won right afterwards. So maybe won it on takes... the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe it takes Embiid, you know, a couple of years of dominance to be like, oh, I've established myself. Let me take a step back, like Jokic did last year. He took a step back. We're like, oh, what's going on? And then he went on to win the championship. You know, you have to you have to have something left in the tank in the, for the playoffs. Maybe Embiid will follow that kind of same trajectory. But until then, like, yes, he can win MVPs, but you got to show up in the playoffs. Like, I'm I, I want him to show up in the playoffs. So, I think I, I would root for him against a lot of different teams, like even though I just kind of poo-pooed him a little bit earlier. Uh, but it's just he, he needs that success to follow for it to be true MVPs, not like Steve Nash MVPs. Well, you know, to, to, when you talk about your like sort of playoff fizzle like like Embiid did last year, that's why I find really crazy about the way he's playing this year because it did seem when Jokic sort of tapered off, Embiid saw the MVP was available and up for grabs, and he had a mission to win it. He wanted to win it. They win it. It was and a then, campaign. Right. It was a campaign. Exactly. But this year, I think he's playing better. I think he might be the most dominant night-to-night player in the NBA, but it doesn't seem, you know, over the top. It doesn't seem like he's on a mission the way, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was the other night. Um, it just seems like he's, he's the best player in the league, and there's not a lot you can do about it. And guess what? The Sixers are winning along the way. That's true. I agree. Yeah. It just makes Carl Anthony Towns 62 so much sadder. I think when, the, what, in the fourth quarter, did he make a basket? It was something like he had like four, I think he had four points in the fourth quarter, 62 points in the first three quarters. So that is uh, not winning. <laughs> That's how you not win. Watching the end of that game too, pretty much the whole fourth quarter, Cat looked tired. He looked like he was running down the court and he'd get to the three-point line and kind of just stand there. He wasn't doing a lot on defense. Um, you know, if you're Chris Finch, you have to have him in the game. You know, I, I, I don't have his minutes load in front of me. I don't know if he played, you know, 42 minutes or some egregious amount. But he, it, it looked weird. The whole the whole thing was off. And um, obviously they go on to lose the game and it looks bad, but... Just, just a really weird, really weird game. Yeah, they'll be fine in the West, but you, you know the Hornets. Uh, I mean, now that the Timberwolves aren't the one seed anymore, but for a minute it was them and the Thunder were the only teams to beat the uh, the one seeds in each conference. <laughs> that is the most Charlotte Hornets stat I've ever heard in my life. The, the Hornets like to play. Um, uh, uh, what's the word? They like to play. Um... They play up. And down to their opponents. You know, they play to their opponent's skill level. Sometimes. They'll definitely yeah. play down. They, they lost to the Pistons without Cade in a just horrifying loss. Um, I mean, it was close, but it shouldn't have been. And then when they're like, oh, the Celtics are in town, let's turn it on for some reason. And then they'll be good. And they're just like, what? That's what's frustrating with, I mean, 
you know, we, we could turn this into a whole Hornets thing. We could talk about them for, for a while. Um, so in the interest of time, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just move on for now. Uh, so next we're going to, we're going to build our bench here because, uh, for, all, for those of you who were watching uh, TNT on Thursday night, they did announce the 2024 All-Star Starters for each conference. Uh, here are the players uh, for each conference. In the East, we had Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard at the guard position. And then Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo rounding it out. Giannis was the captain as the leading vote getter in the East. LeBron James was the leading vote getter in the West. Uh, um, uh, again, uh, <laughs> Uh, he's joined in the front court by Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic. Uh, and at guard, you have Shea Gilgis Alexander and uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them later so, because we're going to get to the reserves because they have not announced reserves. That'll happen this Thursday. Uh, so, Duncan and I, we made our selections for who we think uh, should be um, the reserves in the East and the West. Uh, where do you want to start, East or West? Let's start in the East, like with uh, the guard who maybe should have been a starter, Jalen Brunson. That is crazy that Dame got it over him, the starting spot in the East. He has been lights out, just so good. Like, I don't even know. You just, you don't expect it from like a 6'1 guard, but he plays like he's, is he 6'1? I don't know. I think he's short, but he plays like he's much taller. He's crafty around the rim. He can shoot and make his teammates better. He's just been a, a lot of fun to watch. I completely agree with you that I think um, Jalen Brunson should have been the starter. Um, fun fact, this is Damian Lillard's first all-star start because he was in the West his whole career. And, you know, it was Steph forever. And then it's been Luka for the last couple of years. Before that, it would have been uh, like Russell Westbrook or, or someone like that. Um, but if we compare their stats, oh, I can't find what I'm looking for. Uh, this, no, I don't want head to head comparisons. <laughs> I mean, I saw some of the stats, and like Dame's shooting like the lowest percentage from three in his career, or since like very early in his career. Uh, I think he's shooting like 34%, and Jalen Brunson's shooting like 42% from three, or something like that. Maybe you, you have the graphic up soon, but. It's just, it's a shame too for Dame because, you know, he didn't choose to be a starter, but one of his lower career years is the time he's finally an all-star starter. Like, it's just, it's kind of like when Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter. Like, it's not his fault, but like, why? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, fan vote um, uh, really comes into factor here. What ended up actually being is that they had identical like point values because they they assign points and aggregate it based off fan vote, player vote, and coaches. But because Lillard had more votes, that uh, fan votes, that's the tiebreaker. Mm. But anyways, if you look at their stats this year, um, uh, Jalen Brunson's played two more games. Uh, Jalen Brunson's averaging a point more per game, which you would never think would be the would be the case. Um, Lillard has half uh, half more rebound, half a more assist. Uh, they're basically dead even on steals and blocks. Uh, Jalen Brunson's shooting, you know, five percent better from the field. He's shooting eight percent better from three. Uh, Lillard's a better free throw shooter. Uh, he's also just a better advanced stat um, kind of guru. Jalen Brunson, his his box plus minus is higher. His VORP is higher. He's just a more valuable player. Um, one thing I find kind of interesting though, if you just 
kind of go through the comparison, they're in a somewhat similar situation in the way that they are the small clutch guard next to a power forward. Uh, you know, Julius Randle versus Giannis. Very, di- you know, very different. Bear with me. But Jalen Brunson has just ultimately went meant way more to the Bucks. Or I mean, oh my gosh, Jalen Brunson has meant way more to the Knicks, and I think he's been more important. And um, you know, he, I think he's he's equally as clutch. And I thought he, he, I just think he's ultimately been better. The stats show it, as I eventually found them. Um, and, and it is it is a shame he's not going to get the start. Hopefully, he'll get the start in the future, though. Yeah, yeah. First time All Star. That's still fun. And also, I believe first time All Star as well, right? Tyrese Maxey. One of our favorite Tyrese's um, from the top Philadelphia two for sure. Yeah, top two. You know, number one, but who knows? There's there's room to improve. You could get there. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about Tyrese earlier in the year. We talked about our sort of rising stars, and we mentioned him as a like an all star sleeper at that point in the season. But he's just been yeah, he's been a monster. The volume has been there. I mean, he's at about 26 points a game. He's at six and a half assists. Uh, he's efficient too. He's you know around 37% from from three. He only turns the ball over one and a half times a game. It, it's incredible that he's been able to scale up the usage. Uh, he's been able to win with Joel, um, and and he's just been incredibly efficient. Yeah. The one thing, I mean, we'll talk about our snubs maybe in a little bit, but... Is Tyrese Maxey better than Trey Young? Like, it's tough because Trey Young has more volume by a lot. You know, he's got 27 points per game still, and his efficiency is still, like, not bad. He's shooting 36% from three and 47% from two, like, with how many assists? Hold on, let me see. With almost 11 assists per game, like, it's it's tough to make that. Like, I like Tyrese Maxey more. He might be, like a more valuable player to his team and impact winning more. But in terms of just star power, even though I also put Tyrese Maxey, like it's hard to not put Trey Young at that spot. It's just like, like it doesn't pass the eye test, right? Or the vibe test, or I don't know how to describe it. I I do like agree with the sentiment that like, it's the all-star game. It's not the, let's take the best players from the top six teams in each conference. But the way the Hawks have been, like Trey Young has not been influential to winning at all. Um, and I think Tyrese Maxey has been incredibly vital um, and he's helping winning and the stats are similar. Like I'll give I'll give Tyrese the edge, even though I, I do think in, in all this discussion, I think Trey Young gets very undervalued. You know, if he did get traded to a team like the Spurs, which he's been floated, you know, to at times, I think we would then I'll be drooling about the Trey Young Wemby pick and roll and how their offense would Oof. be and all that. That would be hot. Yeah. I think just it'll be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Young does make it into the All-Star game just because he's scoring 10 points per game more than Tyrese is. Um, but, you know, that's to be seen. Uh, I think Tyrese does have more of an impact towards winning. Yeah, just similar to you. So that's why I have him in there. It's just hard to kind of not have him. The other guard we have, though, Donovan Mitchell. He's been on a tear lately. It's definitely helped his uh, campaign a little bit. I feel like if he the Cavs hadn't had this resurgence, I would not have put him up there. What about you? Yeah, I mean he's been he's been a, a monster ever since you know Mobley goes down, Garland goes down, 
And then his stats have been as good as they've ever been. I mean, he's at 27 and a half points a game. He has a career high in assists because he's kind of had to take on more of that role. He's almost at two steals a game. Um, and the Cavs have stayed, you know, it's weird. They've honestly been better in, in some to many respects um, without Garland and Mobley than with them, which is surprising. And, you know, he kind of passes the all-star sort of, sort of like check. Like he's a guy you'd expect to see in the game. He's been in the game a lot. The stats are there. He's been incredibly impactful. He deserves it. As has Jalen Brown. I think he's been the the second best Celtic this year. If you look at some of the counting stats, they're down. But if you watch him play, his shooting is better. Um, He's more decisive. He's more explosive at the rim. He's stronger. He's incredibly good in the mid-range. He's also... He had this whole campaign in the in the preseason that he wanted to be, you know, defensive player of the year type of guy. That he wants to take the toughest assignments, and he's been really active. And it hasn't hurt his offense. I think it's only helped him. Um, and so, if the Celtics, you know, if they need a second All Star, you know, I don't love the whole, you know, they deserve a second because they're the first team in the East. You know, I think that's stupid. But I think he's been really good on his own. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think it's just. You know, it's the all-star game, too. Like, he's definitely a star, even if there's a bit of, like, East Coast bias to it or best team in the NBA bias. Like, I'm, I'm not mad with that, and I'd be surprised if they don't choose him as a reserve. Or not that it's chosen, but if he doesn't get a reserve spot. Uh, the last guy we both agree on is Bam Adebayo. He's finally shooting more, something we've, we've always wanted out of him, and the efficiency is still there. He's still an elite defender if the counting stats aren't there. we both think he deserves it. So I just want to get to the two differences we have. Then I have uh, my final two spots, both going to young forwards. I have Paolo Bancaro and Scotty Barnes. Um, I have Paolo because his, his numbers are up. He, you know, with Franz Wagner has missed some time. Paolo has had to do everything to keep the magic sort of afloat. And he's around 23 points a game. He's around eight rebounds. He's been really, really good. And he, and he's, really looking like a star. Um, Scotty Barnes, as we talked about, he just rounded everything out. He's shooting more. He's shooting more threes. He's shooting threes incredibly well. His assists are up. His rebounds are up. His scoring is up. Uh, He had like a six-block game the other day. Uh, He's doing everything. Um, I know the Raptors aren't winning, um, but everything's sort of turning around for him. Now, whether Trey Young, right, someone we just talked about, should be in over Scotty, maybe he should be. I just wanted, maybe I just wanted to talk about Scotty. I'm a Scotty fan. I don't love Trey Young, so maybe that's where the bias comes in. Um, but who are your two picks then? Because I had Paolo and Scotty. Honestly, my two picks are a little chaotic Julius Randle and Derek White. Julius Randle, I feel like I could change my mind any day of the week. But he has had some stretches where he's been really good. He started off the season pretty slow, but as of late, he's been showing up a little more. You know, the Knicks are fourth in the East after just a team that's had a franchise that's been kind of just so bad for so much time. Like, so not even bad, just not relevant. He has been part of the solution to make them more relevant, along with Jalen Brunson. I think Brunson is developing more into the 1A kind of player, and he's developing a bit more into the 1B. Um, But... You know, I'm sure you could pull up some advanced stats that would make me uh, change my mind about Julius Randle. Like, he's a player I, I honestly don't know where to think, but passes the eye, t- eye test as of late. Um, and as for Derek White as well, 
I think he is not just a star in his role, but an all-star. Like just watching the guy like against Miami the other night, he just makes the right plays at all the right times. That's what it feels like. And he's, his counting stats aren't going to be as high because the Celtics have six starters and only five spots to start on the floor. But he's just kind of the, a guy that you want on the team, a glue guy. He'll do everything. He'll defend. He's defending so well. I think he's second in blocks for guards, um, as well as shooting the ball at a decent clip and everything like that. So not, not only is he a star in his role, but I'd argue sometimes he is the second best player on the team when Jason Tatum isn't having a, a good night or when Jalen Brown isn't having a good night. I, I think Derek White was the second best Celtic of the last year's playoffs. And up until about the third or maybe fourth, I, I don't have the exact time, but in the first couple weeks of this season, he was also the second best because Jalen Brown had a very cold start and has since turned it around. So I, I think like Derek White is an all-star. If we try to redefine what all-star means, if it's like an all-star in their role, totally. But it just... You know, there's also that you didn't make this argument, but there's also the argument, right, that I kind of referenced earlier that, you know, the Celtics are the best team in the league by, you know, head, head and shoulders, they're the number one team in the league. You know, they should have three all-stars. So I think Derek White should be that guy. I think that takes away from what Derek White is. You're, he's been, like, by box plus minus, he's been one of the most impactful players in the league. Uh, last year, he led all guards and blocks. This year, I believe he's second. Uh, he's he's everywhere. He 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 shoots threes at an elite clip. He's a great finisher at the rim. He's a great distributor. He gets out on on the run. He's great at taking charges. He does everything. But I don't think he's an all star over like Trey Young. The more I'm talking, I think Trey Young maybe he should be an all star, and I, I, he probably will end up being. Yeah, I think I'm thinking Trey Young too. It's hard to score 27 points per game and not be in the all star game. And like he's not shooting at like 60, percent but like he's shooting at like almost 50%, which is pretty decent for shooting, scoring that many points. <laughs> yeah, so and 11 assists a game. Yeah, and 11 assists a game. I think it's just because the Hawks have a losing record. It's kind of hard to hard to put them in there. But I wouldn't be surprised. Out of Julius Randle, Derek White, and Trey Young, I think, I think two of those three will be those spots that you and I have contested. Sorry, Paolo and Scotty. I don't know. I think I, I think there's a chance Paolo still makes it, but no, uh, Scotty's not. Uh, like if I'm doing my actual predictions, I think I swap out Scotty for Trey. Um, I have hope for your Paolo. I, I um for some reason, one guy neither of us talked about was Jimmy Butler, which you know if if you're making a theoretical All Star team in your head, you of course Jimmy Butler is in there. He's probably one of the best like 20 players in the NBA. But if you look at his numbers, nothing stands out. I think Bam has been the more impactful player from the Heat, um, even though of course Jimmy Butler is a better player. Uh, he, he's, you know, yeah, he's the just one not thing that does out. stand out though is: Do you have his stats up in front of you? I, I looked at them earlier. I don't have them in front of me at the moment. So his career three-point percentage is thirty-two percent, and this season he's shooting forty-one point three percent from three. How many attempts per game? All right, all right, let's go. Gosh, you're making me fact check, make sure my stats are accurate. Um, two. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be misleading. I mean, in his career high, uh, in his in a half season in Minnesota, he shot four and a half a game. 
Uh, he, he towards his end of Chicago, and when he got to Minnesota, he was around three and a half threes per game. He's at two. He kind of, as soon as he got to Miami, he kind of gave up on shooting the three. He basically shoots two a game. Um, and he shoots well in the playoffs, but I'm not taking that 41% with all. He makes one three a game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Jimmy's just charging. He's waiting for the playoffs. He'll come out of the garage when uh, the play-in tournament comes around, and then uh, we'll all eat crow again. Yeah, totally fine with that. He's just not an all-star. Agreed, agreed. I, Yeah, he's he's not an all-star. Um, just like last year, too. Bam got in over Jimmy, and I think it'll happen again. Uh, let's let's uh, position now to the West quickly. Um, we agree on six of the seven. So we agree on Steph Curry, uh, who I think this is his first all-star game where he hasn't been a starter in a long time. Uh, Anthony Edwards who, you know, you can make an argument he could be a starter, although you're not beating out Shea or Luka. Uh, we both agree on Devin Booker. Um, I, I just want to talk about Devin Booker for a second. Now, the Suns, if you haven't watched them, you know, that's fair. They're on TV a lot, so it can kind of get repetitive. Um, they're right in that bunch, that sort of second tier in the West, where you have the the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Nuggets. And then you have that drop-off to the Clippers, Suns, Pelicans, Kings, right around there. So the Suns, they are, they are fifth in the West. And Booker, due to a lot of the injuries and then trading away Chris Paul, he is taking a lot more of a facilitator role. Um, and he's also taking a slight step back in terms of his shooting because of Kevin Durant, you know, full year of Kevin Durant. He's shooting one less time per game. His three-point percentage is up. Uh, his free throw percentage is up um, compared to last year. Yeah, he's at seven and a half assists. That's a career high. But And he's still putting the ball um, in the net. You know, 27 points a game. He's played 35 games, so he's been yeah. pretty healthy. Let's just talk he's about that. Let's talk about that. I was also under the impression, maybe it's just like media and things that you see in the internet. It's like, oh, Devin Booker's having a bit of a down season. He is not. He's still scoring 27 points per game. Like his highest in his career is 27.8, and now he's at 27.2. Maybe his second best season yet. Maybe the best of Devin Booker is ahead of us. Ahead of us. Also, he was so snubbed from the All-Star game last year, scoring dang near 28 points per game on 35% from, the, from three and however many assists and turnovers, low turnover rates that he was having. Like it's just... Devin Booker is an all-star, and, you know, so what? The Suns have two all-stars on their team. They've got Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I think people forget about the Suns. I think it's a maybe a little bit of an East Coast bias thing, but Booker's been great, and whenever anyone talks about the best young players, right, he's like 26, 27, um, or the best guards, or I, he, he always gets left off and he gets forgotten, and it's it's puzzling to me. Honestly, I think it's because he wears Converse. <laughs> no, he wears Nike. He's a Nike guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Nike owns Converse and he's always just... Oh, because he walks his... in the game. Yeah, he's always wearing the Converse everywhere. <laughs> Let's throw back to one of our old episodes where I just hated on Devin Booker for wearing Converse everywhere. Not a Converse guy. Sorry, we can get over it. Um, who else we got? Kawhi Leonard, we're in agreement with that. I mean, he's been... His advanced stats are insane. 
Um, he's just the best at everything in all the advanced stats, even if his counting numbers are kind of at where they are usually. And it seems like him and Paul George are kind of broken the curse, knock on wood, you know, I'd love to see them healthy and make a, hopefully make a deep run in the playoffs and uh, make Steve Ballmer look like he was making the right choices. The, the Clippers owner with all the money he's been throwing around lately. Well, Kawhi's healthy. You know, he's played a lot. You know, that's what you want to knock on wood for. Um, and they're 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 kind of all buying into winning. They've taken a little bit of a step back, the two of them along with James Harden to try to win some games and it's working. And, you know, if you look at their record since Harden has come in, they've been really, really good. Um, Kawhi arguably should be a starter over LeBron. Obviously LeBron gets into the fan vote. Um, LeBron's also he's probably an all star. Um, but I think Kawhi I think I'd rather start him. Uh, we are also in agreement on DeMontis Sabonis and Anthony Davis. I'd like to briefly talk about Sabonis because he's averaging like 13 rebounds a game. In addition, he's averaging the third most touches per game, right? In terms of how many times he, we talked about this with, with Rozier. Jokic, she touches the ball the most, then Tyrese Halliburton, then Sabonis. A little funny because Halliburton and Sabonis were traded for each other, right? At the same time, if you look at usage percentage, so that's when a possession ends with a turnover, a shot, or a free throw attempt. Number one in the league is Joel Embiid. Number two is Luka, right? Because they have the ball in their hands all the time. If you want to know where DeMontis Sabonis is, he is all the way down uh, at 115th. So that's crazy. <laughs> and that is crazy. At, tw- at 22%. He, he's super unselfish. Um, uh, that's also because he's playing with De'Aaron Fox, who I just, b- before I forget, I do have Fox as an all-star. Uh, if you're wondering about usage percentage on maybe why Sabonis is so low, by the way, it's because De'Aaron Fox is uh, one, two, three, four, five, the ninth highest usage percentage in the league. Um, so he defers a lot, yet he's still averaging 20 points a game. Everything goes through him in the middle of the floor. 13 rebounds a game. The, it helps with Kings. his efficiency too. He doesn't have to take as many shot attempts to get his numbers up because he's so efficient by the rim. Yeah. This brings us to like one of our few disagreements though. Like you're saying De'Aaron Fox, you're having him as an all-star. I mean, I have Rudy Gobert in as an all-star over him for the sole fact that I hate it when the defensive player of the year is not an all-star. I think that is so silly. You know, you're saying this player, so the players, they play half defense, half offense, the player that is best at half of the game is not in the all-star game. I think that's silly. De'Aaron Fox might be more of an all-star, but I was just trying to fit Rudy Gobert into this somehow. And to me, De'Aaron Fox was uh, the odd man out, unfortunately. I don't think Rudy Gobert is a bad choice by any means. I think he's a perfectly fair... I mean, I mean, the Timberwolves have... I, I mean, they were at the last time I checked. The number one defense in the league, Rudy being back to his form is a huge part of that. Obviously, Edwards is an all-star. But I think Gobert, is, you know, he's rounded back to form. And he's made multiple all-star games before. Uh, Draymond Green has made all-star games before. You know, if you take what, if you look at their offense, they're not all-stars. But part of the whole package makes both of them all-star level players. Um, so I totally agree with it in terms of, you know, it's, we're picking a hair. It's really hard to do this. Uh, Fox, he's he's at twenty seven and a half points per game. He oh was gosh, the clutch that's player hard to of the not year. Include. <laughs> yeah, he's he's at one and a half steals a game. He's shooting thirty nine percent from three, and he's shooting 
eight threes, the most threes in his career, and he's shooting up the best rate. Um, he he's just everything for them. He's shooting the most times uh, in his career. His, his, he's, he's you know forty seven percent from the field, uh, but Fox has been so good. It does feel a little weird if you look at my all stars, for example, that I have one Clipper and two Kings because I think the Clippers are better than the Kings, but I don't really read too much into that. Um, I, I just think Fox is really good. Gobert's a good pick. We both left off Paul George. We left off Desmond Bain, who's hurt. We left off Laurie Markkinen. His stats are good. Harden, who we talked about. Uh, Zion, who's been good. Sangoon, Carlton T. Towns. ton of guys. It's really hard. Yeah, they need more spots. Increase the All-Star game. Yeah, they could make it 15. I mean, right now it's 12. Yeah, I guess just all the players would like barely play. But then again, no one's actually watching the game itself. <laughs> it's just to get these guys their their uh, contract money. Yeah, I will say I do. I I always do watch the All Star game in its entirety, and um, it can it can be a slog. It's a long <laughs> game. <laughs> Maybe we don't need Rudy Gobert then. No, we don't want defense in the actual All Star game. <laughs> we just want to see pretty- the offense. He is pretty useless in the actual All-Star game because uh, he kind of just stands around the rim for a lob if anyone th- throws a lob at him. And again, Nikola Jokic is a, historically a very bad All-Star game player. He doesn't really care about it. He kind of just shows up. So, yeah. you know. Uh, so um, I don't think we have anything else to say. Anything else about these reserves here? No, I'm just I'm excited to see what actually comes out, and I'm more excited for the East. The whole Paolo, Scotty, Julius Randle, Derek White, Trey Young situation. Even Kristaps Porzingis, I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck in there too. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I definitely don't think it'll be Scotty. That was I just thought I, I think he's good. He's a good. No, player. he's good. He's good. Um, so we are going to now draft the starters and then next week we'll draft the reserves to make our complete teams like we did last year. Um, although it's a little interesting because the NBA has gone away with this format. They are now going back to East first West, no longer doing the team Giannis for his team LeBron or team Steph for his team LeBron, or there's one other iteration, I think. Durant. Um, yes. Uh, That's when uh, he didn't, Dur- no one wanted to pick James Harden. Correct. Um, what do you think about them going back to the East versus West? Honestly, like, I don't think anything of it. I feel like if it, it changes so often, it's just like, you don't know what's going to happen. I get that the draft thing was kind of weird and like just having the separating the starters and the reserves is something you had to do. But what if we just got rid of starters and reserves and we just let the players draft and see who actually winds up being a starter or a reserve? That would be interesting. Then again, I feel like LeBron would just draft his friends and then, you know, Russell Westbrook would be an all-star starter again. Like, I, I don't know. It's just like or Kyrie would be an all-star starter. We, have, we didn't even talk about today. But I, I don't I don't know. I, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, well, Kyrie, he was almost going to make my list of snubs, but he just missed a lot of games. Um, that was honestly why. Um, I, I like them getting rid of the format. I think we were so excited when the format started. It created a lot of good memes and good content, right? Like with the Harden thing. I just um, love that. The, I think I'm going to need a lot of size. I'll take Rudy Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh. it's, an all, it's an all-timer. 
Um, yeah, I, th I just think the uh, the format got a little stale. I think we all had a lot of fun with it. Um, if if you try to you know put your head back to when they first made that, it was because the West was dominating the East every year. Um, and so this was to reinvigorate interest for the players, for fans, and also see if they could make it a little different. Then again, LeBron, Team LeBron pretty much won every year because he was just a better drafter. Yeah, maybe when uh, LeBron is not dominating anymore, we can, when we have new captains that aren't Giannis and LeBron or KD and LeBron every year, we can do it. But then again, that's how popularity works. The people who are popular stay popular. So if it's not LeBron, it would be someone else. Yep. Um, but that also means we are now the exclusive place for the all-star draft. Um, and it means we don't need to be Giannis and LeBron um, because who cares? Uh, we're not copying anything. We're making our own rules. So we'll be drafting the starters. Um, after random selection, uh, I will be going first. Therefore, Duncan, you will be going first in the reserves. So we will be drafting five players. You know, we... We each wore our hats last time. We each picked four. So I'm going to pick a guy who always plays hard in the All-Star game and is, I think, the most dominant player in the NBA, uh, Joel Embiid, as my first pick. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, I'm going to pick the guy that you think he's going to go for the MV the All-Star game MVP every time, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis, yeah, I mean, he's another, you know, kind of try hard, <laughs> I think, in a lot of ways. Um, Let's see here. Okay, so we both have a couple of big guys. Um, Some of these, like Durant, LeBron, I'm a little scared of just because of the age. Like, I don't know if they'll, like, really play. If I'm trying to make a team here... Uh, you know what? I'm going to go for... I, I think This guy hasn't really done a lot in the All-Star game, but he's never started before, and I think eventually he'll have a coming-out party. Maybe it's this year. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Him with Embiid, I think, is just like... You know, you take Tyrese Maxey and you just, like, level him up. Agreed. Um, oof. I'm at a hard point here because I think I need another... Uh, I, you know, I'm going to pair up the teammates because someone who will take it from the logo and make it in the all-star game, give me Dame. You know, I thought he was going to be the last pick of this draft, but I probably could have gotten him at the last pick. But I'm, I'm excited to see him because he's he's an all-star game performer. So just for the game itself, I want Dame on my team. So I really want to take Tyrese Halliburton here, right? Because he's it's his hometown game. Um, so he might be gunning for it, but if I have Tyrese and Shea and based off like, now screw it. I'm taking Tyrese. Yeah. This is a hypothetical yeah. scenario. I don't, don't need to explain myself. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, give me, uh, give me the goofiest guy on the court, uh, LeBron James. You know, him and Giannis are gonna get be up to no good. I feel like so it's gonna be fun to watch. You know, LeBron James going until the the second pick of the third round is is something. Um, <laughs> these look like picks LeBron would make though. He would pick Dame. He would also pick Giannis. 
I'm going for the weirdos, I guess. So I have Embiid. He'll, he can shoot the ball a lot. Shea, he can get to the rim. Tyrese, he'll pass it to everyone. I want someone who can catch and shoot. I'm going to take Kevin Durant. You know, I like Durant against LeBron. Always fun. Um, uh, him him, and Embiid kind of, I think they have a little beef maybe. I don't know. It'll be fun. <laughs> hmm. I feel so bad. Is Jokic going to be the last pick out of this? Uh, we have Luka, Tatum, and Jokic left. So Which depends. is it's a great players to be left, you know. Tyrese Halliburton and Lil Dame were picked before these guys, which is nuts. <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous. Um, but you know, although he's not always a shooter, he thinks he's Steph Curry. He did hmm. shoot the lights out at the last All Star game, right? Give me Jason Tatum. Didn't he go like seven of ten or something silly like that? Well, last All-Star game, he had the record for points in a quarter. He had like 27 in the third quarter. And he had 55, which is also an All-Star game record. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a good pick. Yeah, don't know if he'll repeat, but, you know, he, he's bound to have a highlight play. You know what? Uh, normally the way these things go is, you know, one of us has Embiid, one of us has Jokic. That's not going to be the case this year. I'll be taking Nikola Jokic. Uh, we're going super size here. You know, we have Jokic at the four. We have Durant at the three. You know, Tyrese and Shea love me my tall guards. Jokic which is not gives... playing the four in the All Star game. He's going to be at the at the point and just dishing it as much as he can to avoid getting in the paint. <laughs> he he can he can pass with Halliburton. They'll they'll be great. <laughs> and which gives you Luka Doncic as the last pick. Which That's is crazy. utterly wild. Um, would, would you have picked Dame? Would Dame have just come to me at the last pick? Yeah, you would have just been left with Dame. There's no way I was picking Dame. Yeah, I should have just gone Luca. I knew it, but you know, it's it's gonna be a good. Both of these teams are gonna be fun. I mean, I think you know my team. Just saying, got a lot of a lot of high scorers. They're all gonna try to show out. But then maybe again, maybe that's a disadvantage. You know. Maybe Tyrese will set the record for assists. Do they even track assists in the All Star game? Uh, they do. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't tell you. I think like Chris Paul has the record. I swear he has like eighteen or something like that. Most of Lob City days, and they're like, just just throw it up. He's like, all right. I will say you have a very, you have a team that LeBron would draft. Yeah, and you have a team that KD would draft because he every time he's he's just like in his weird beanie and he's like, yeah, I really like his game, and you know he'll pick like Shea because Shea's got good game, versus LeBron's like, yeah, I mean Giannis. <laughs> you're you're 100 right. Yeah, Durant always picks like he likes the international guys. He likes the the long guys, the weirdos. You know, Jokic and Bead, Shea, Halliburton. And LeBron just sits there and he's like, all right, I'm just going to take the best player available. I'll take Giannis, then I'll take Luka, then I'll take Tatum, and then I'll take Dame. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah, well, I, I think it it ended up scripting out pretty pretty funnily here. Um, well, we'll see how the reserves end up being, how similar they are to ours, and then we'll be back uh, next week and we'll be drafting the reserves. And, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll take the teams to 2K. Uh, and we'll see, we'll do a little sim. We'll see who the All-Star Game MVP is. We'll see, you know, all that. All right. We'll let you guys out with a little rumor. Um, heard that there might be a chance that the winner of the WNBA three-point contest will be against 
the winner of the NBA three-point contest. We might get a Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu, I believe, was the winner mm-hmm. of the last three-point contest. Um, a little little thing during All-Star Weekend. That could be a lot of fun. Um, I really like her her Nike shoes. I'm thinking about buying a pair, but that's a little, little nugget to, to think about going into this All-Star time. Her Nikes are some of the most popular among NBA players. They look comfy, you know? Everyone's wearing them, so you would not be the first. Um, I don't know if you know this I, or if I'm misremembering. Is the WNBA three-point line, it's, it's, is it different than the NBA three-point line? It's the no, same? I, I think it's the same. I think the balls that they use are slightly smaller, at least in college it is. But other than that, the court's the same. Okay, well, that was my only thing. I was like, logistically, how... then again, they're not shooting at the same time. You know, they can change the the dimensions. Anyways, that'd be really cool because everyone loves Steph in the three-point contest. And Sabrina, uh, when she did it, uh, you know, the clip was going crazy on Twitter because she missed like one shot or something. It was insane. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. Um, on, on the way out, I'm just going to read last week's poll results. Uh, as always, if you listen on spotify or don't uh, if you click the episode description scroll down you should see a poll Uh, last week's poll we asked uh, the people which of these teams needs to make a trade the most Um, between the timberwolves the thunder the nuggets the celtics the bucks and the sixers the people say the sixers um it's funny the bucks ended up doing a trade they just traded their head coach uh, but yeah, I still think the Sixers because I think they're good enough to um, cause a scare and to be a team in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think they still have a lot of assets and they have a sal and they have salaries to match up. So maybe maybe that's not really what the question is. Maybe that's what teams can make a trade. But I I, I think the Sixers make a lot of sense for sure. It's been quiet from their camp though lately. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I, I, it's been pretty quiet, uh, oddly quiet. Maybe there'll be a trade by, by this time next week when we'll, again, we'll be doing uh, everything we said about the reserves and all that. So uh, we'll see you all then. <laughs>